This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. One on, nobody out. The 2-0 pitch. Here's a swing a long fly ball in the left field. This is going to leave the park. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron. That ball's hit deep to left. This one's going to be out of here. Get up, baby. Get up. Claiborne and Chris Raby and the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Welcome into another edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Amarin. Chris Ramby and Mike Claiborne with you on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Our executive producer is Ben Boyd. Mike Anderson, our producer in our Cardinals Network studios. And Ann Carroll, as always, helping us out from the Cardinals Radio Network. Excited about tonight's show. We're going to talk a lot of baseball with Mike Gersh, the Cardinals GM. We'll also head to Fantasy Camp and the Cardinals Cruise. Mike Claiborne will visit with Larry Walker. And two members of Mike Schilt's staff, Stubby Clapp and Pop Warner. All of that and more of the next two hours as we are just a couple of weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting to Jupiter, Florida. Speaking of Mike Schilt, join the skipper as he hosts the Cardinals Care RBI Golf Classic on Thursday, May 7th at Norwood Hills Country Club. This unique experience will pair foursomes with a Cardinals celebrity, including current players, coaches, and alumni. Register today at cardinals.com slash golf. It's great to have Cardinals GM Mike Gersh with us on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. Chris Raby with you, and we are in St. Louis getting ready to head to spring training in a couple of weeks. How are you? Thanks for coming by. I'm great. How are you doing? Doing well. This is such an exciting time of year, and I think this year with the holidays or I guess Thanksgiving later, it seemed like everything was really compact. Everything was busy, busy, busy. We were at the winter meetings, then it was Christmas, then it was winter warm-up. Have the last couple of months flown by for you guys? Yeah, I think right. I think um, the, the gap between Thanksgiving and Christmas felt like it, it, it went fast. There was a lot more activity in that period than there had been in the previous couple of years, so... Um, yeah, it was it was a it was a pretty busy off season, and uh, we're kind of now to the part where it's a little bit slower, a little bit more getting stuff cleaned up and ready to head to uh, Jupiter. Yeah, what's this time of year like for you and for uh, your counterparts in the industry in terms of? Uh, I'm sure everyone's chatting about getting ready to head to Arizona or Florida. Um, what's it like for you to? still conduct day-to-day business, but also be ready to essentially relocate the entire organization for two months? Yeah. So I think it, it depends a little bit for each organization. So we don't have an arbitration case this year. So that's a that's a huge time commitment that some teams have a couple, some teams have none, right? Congratulations so on wrapping that up with John. It's always nice to have that taken care of. Great job by John Vooch to get, uh, get the deal done with John Gant this year. Um, so, yeah, it, you know, we... We do relocate a lot of the a lot of baseball ops down to Jupiter, um, but there's a lot that still stays up here. I mean, as yeah. much as player development in the major leagues is all moved down there, amateur scouting is still going on, international scouting is still going on, our analytics department is still functioning, and you know a lot of that stuff still happens in St. Louis. So, um, 
you know, we're just kind of getting ready for all that. So getting ready, you know, we, all the little changes you make over the off season that that you make hires or change programs or whatever. You, you start to get to the end of January and you realize, you know, we got two weeks until pitchers and catchers report, or you got a month until minor league camp opens, and you gotta, you know, start dotting eyes and crossing t's, and make sure you're ready to go. Speaking of dotting eyes and crossing t's, what can you tell us and what can you tell fans about the facility down in Jupiter and uh, what's going to be happening as you guys get approval or I don't even know the right verbiage. Explain what's going to happen moving <laughs> forward with the facility. I know you guys are excited about it. Yeah, I I am not as I'm not running point on on that project, so I I don't want to speak nuts out of and turn. Bolts, but maybe yeah, just but, big picture. But yeah, th- there's been some funding uh, made available that combined with some uh, funding from both the Marlins and the Cardinals, and I believe we're still waiting on the state to 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 sort of weigh in on how much they're going to contribute. Should put us in a position where we can make some updates to a. Uh, um, a complex that's, I think it's 20 or 25 years old now. And when we built it, it was state of the art. And since then state of the art has changed dramatically. So little things like we don't have a, we don't have a kitchen on site to prepare meals for the players. So we have, uh, you know, we, we, we bring in a mobile kitchen outside the major league clubhouse for our, uh, the, the, the um, kitchen staff to, to prepare meals for the big league side on the minor league side. We have, we're bringing food from the university across the street. So, there's just things like that that we just aren't as set up for as we could and would like to be. And so hopefully we'll be able to take care of some of that over the next couple of years. Yeah, because from a facility standpoint, you know, maybe outside of the carpeting and some of the decor that looks 20 years old, you guys made improvements and expanded the weight room, for instance. And, um, you know, a lot of the analytical tools on multiple fields, I guess, you know, that's all outfitted. You guys have all of that. But the actual you're saying kind of bones of the building is the main thing that you're going to, or I guess the actual bones of the building is, is what could use the help. Yeah. So, so yeah. So we open more space maybe too. Yeah. Just a larger footprint is yeah. really a big part of it. Um, we keep bringing more and more people to big league camp and we've got kids. Yeah. I shouldn't and say they come kids. earlier and earlier. They come earlier. It's becoming a year round facility. And so being in a, being able to handle that, um, not having to double up, uh, young, young players and lockers in big league camp because we run out of locker space before we run out of number of players we need. Um, we did open um, across the street. We opened a, a a performance center, a weight a weight room, and a and a, a training room for the minor league side and a great media it's, center and a media center. Really, it's a challenge because the complex is used throughout the year for the Florida State League, for our GCL team, for extended, for instructs. Again, off season work. But it needs to be able to be able to hold the six weeks when we have like 220 players and, you know, 50 or 60 staff members. And like it just it has to be able to adjust for that short period when it's really jam packed. And then it can then it then it goes back to, you know, working more smoothly. So a lot of it's still to be determined. I, I know we've we're working through that process. Uh, what the proposals look like, what the work we can do. We're going to do some, there's going to be some stuff done to the stadium as well to upgrade some of the, um, you know, the team store there is about the size of a closet, make that more of like an actual something that, uh, you know, people would like to go shopping in instead of, you know, squeezing them by each other. But we're excited about it. It, it, it makes, it's a nice opportunity to sort of put, put uh, a new foot forward in the, in the, um, on our spring training site. Oh, probably will take a couple years for it all to come to fruition, but it's a great first step. It's pretty amazing just as you alluded to the number of guys that are there and the number of guys in big league camp. And it seems like the last couple of years, that clubhouse remains very crowded, you know, pretty well into March, mid-March. And, and even as we get towards the end of March, how early do you guys start putting into motion the plans for not just who's going to be in big league camp, but 
what it's going to look like to start to map all of your plans for guys out, um, maybe not specifically as like innings coverage, but how much has that changed as the season gets pushed up and pushed up and you guys, you know, not only play a full Grapefruit League schedule, but this year you're going to Texas, then you open the last week of March. How much has that changed things? Yeah, so um, Schilte and his staff were in Jupiter about two weeks ago specifically to sort of plan out spring training, to, to map out, I think, our third or fourth game of the year is a split squad, which means you just you got all yeah. these guys who are only going one or two innings, and now all of a sudden you need to cover 18 instead of nine, and so we got to plan that out, make sure we have enough pitching there. If you have more pitching, you need more catchers. Like there's a there, there's a trickle down of all that sort of stuff that – um, you need a lot of catchers all the time, yeah, every day. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's not the most glamorous job in the world, but uh, you always need more catching. So we do have to plan that stuff out with big league camp, big league camp starting sooner, big league season starting sooner. There's a more of a run before you even can send guys out to the minor league camp. I mean, the minor league. I believe our first it won't, like, it won't be running. It, it, yeah, it's not it's not up and running. Our our first minor league games are only a few days before we break camp because they still have two more weeks before their season starts, right? Mm-hmm. And so you can't it, there's not a lot of purpose in optioning a guy out or or even just reassigning him to the minor league camp if there's no camp to go to. So so yeah, we we always are kind of working with what we have and what the what the schedule looks like and what 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 our needs are. We get to a point every year where there are players who just need to go get ready for their season. Right, it's no longer about protecting, you know, Goldschmidt, making sure we have next two extra first basemen so he doesn't have to play too many innings. At some point, it's like, no, you, you know, Luke and Baker in this example, you need to go get ready to to play. So we're going to send you out, let you get three or four at bats a day, and start preparing as opposed to sort of learning by by watching the big leaguers. Let's take our first break. Cardinals general manager Mike Gersh with us in studio. All this hour, it's Cardinals countdown to opening day presented by Ameren. Chris Raby with you back in a moment on the St. Louis Cardinals radio network. It's a countdown to opening day show presented by Amron on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Welcome back into Cardinals countdown to opening day presented by Amron. Chris Raby joined by Cardinals GM Mike Gersh in our studios. He's hanging out this whole first hour as we get set to head to spring training in Jupiter, Florida. Hey, finish celebrating Valentine's weekend with Valentine's brunch at Cardinals Nation on Sunday, February 16th. This $45 brunch includes a bottomless mimosa, Bloody Mary, and Bellini Bar, plus free admission to the Cardinals Museum. Reserve your table today at Cardinals Dot com. All right, Mike Gersh with us in studio. How do you like your team as we get ready to head to Jupiter? Big picture question, but in terms of the group that as of this moment you're going to be bringing down, uh, how do you feel about it and how do you feel about what you've been able to accomplish in the offseason? We're, we're really excited about the team we have. Um, I, I think one of the goals, and we talked about this kind of all offseason, was to put some of our young outfielders in a position to see what they can do. Um, at some point, we got to find out what Tyler O'Neill and Lane Thomas and Harrison Bader and and Justin Williams and all and all these guys can do, and create create an opportunity for Dylan Carlson down the road. I mean, he's he's only had about a month in AAA, so I, I don't I, I think you know when exactly he'll be ready is still to be determined. But there's an opportunity for him when he is ready to to step up to the big leagues. Um, we're optimistic about the rotation. We, we returned four of our starters. Um, Carlos has put in a lot of good work this offseason to put himself in a position to be a starting pitcher again. He's excited for it. We're excited for how he looks, how he feels. Um, we brought in KK as a another option. Um, if something were to happen in the, in the rotation, you uh, getting through spring training without 
without bad news is, you know, knock on wood. That's like the only goal really in spring training is to limit the bad news. So we do have KK around and then we still have, you know, Cabrera and Gomber and Ponce and, you know, a whole bunch of other options behind them. So uh, we feel, we feel good about where we are. We're excited. Carlos, I think is, I don't want to say flying under the radar, but maybe he has adapted so well to multiple roles the last couple of years and was so good as a closer that it's maybe easy to uh, not remember how dominant he was as a starter. But what excites you about what he could possibly give you guys in any role, but in the rotation? And uh, the reports you said are are good this offseason. He's on track and will will enter as a starter on schedule. Yeah, he um, yes, he has been doing all the work that we would hope. He's in good shape. He feels good. His his shoulders strong. Um, so as I'm now. You know he's playing catch, but he's not until you start throwing off a mound and you know ramping it up. We'll, we'll you know we're cautiously optimistic until the. the but he's on schedule to uh, ramp up when you yeah, want him to ramp. He'll up. arrive. He'll arrive to camp just like any other starting pitcher, ready to ready to hit the program and get going. Um, and I think you're right. It, it's it's a little bit strange how a guy who was a probably a top 15 starter in baseball for a three or four year stretch all star yeah it, is sort of. Um, Projected as our fifth starter. I mean, I, you know, if, I, if we have five starters better than that, that Carlos, then we are in great shape. So um, we're excited. We're excited to get Carlos back in there. And, you know, I think as well as he pitched last year as a closer, you know, the, the value of 180 innings from a starting pitcher versus 60 from, from a reliever, it, it just makes sense to to get Carlos back in rotation if, if we can make it work. I think part of it, at least in my opinion, is that he was so young when he came up and started contributing in 13. I mean, I look at some of the career trajectories of guys all the time. Max Scherzer didn't make his first all-star game till he was 27 or 28, right? Like maybe it's just that he was so young. It seems like he's been around forever. Again, I'm not putting words in your mouth, but fans, media, when we talk about him, seems like he's been around forever, but he's still a young guy. Yeah, I think, I think that's fair. I think that especially among pitchers, Careers don't always move in very linear fashions. You you can learn a pitch, you can learn to command a pitch, you can change your arm slot. There's lots of things that can can flip a switch, um, and injuries happen. And so Carlos has battled with injuries a little bit the last couple of years. He's been really effective. He, he he has been effective. He's never really pitched poorly. He, he was either in the rotation pitching effective, injured, or in the bullpen pitching effectively. So we're we're optimistic and excited to get him back in the rotation and have him continue to be a, to be a well above average pitcher. You mentioned some of the guys that could fill in uh, or could also compete for rotation spots, but there's just so much depth up and down the bullpen, Mike. Not only guys that were in the big leagues last year, guys that have established careers, but within your minor league system, how would you describe your depth of pitching? And I know you can never have enough, but with that being said, just the stockpile that you have right now within the club. No, I think that's I think that's right. You, you never have enough pitching. I mean, last year we um, – we had we we talked about how we had ten or twelve guys who could be starting pitchers, and you know between Alex Reyes missing most of the season and Gomber missing most of the season. Reyes looks and, amazing, by the way. Yeah, from so a physical standpoint, uh, uh, talk about another guy who's kind of forgotten. Uh, you know, one of the top two or three prospects in baseball a few years ago, and uh, you know at this point he's sort of you know we're we're trying to just hope that he's healthy and hope that he's healthy enough to pitch, and we'll see what happens from there. Um, but all the potential in the world from from uh, from Alex and and a variety of other guys who 
have pitched in the big leagues, again, guys like Ponce and Gomber and uh, Cabrera, guys who pitch in the big leagues who could be starting pitchers, but if we don't need them in the rotation, could end up in the bullpen. And so we're excited about the depth and options we have in, in both roles. Don't have, you know, can't sit here today and say our closer is, you know, X, which I, I obviously that'd be, that'd be nice if you had that, but uh, I think we have plenty of guys who have the ability and uh, some guys who have the experience to, to become the closer. And so we'll worry about that sort of as we sort out the whole pitching staff in, in general. Mike Kirsch is with us. Yeah, even a guy like like Cody Whitley, for instance, who was able to go from A-ball to double-A to triple-A last year, go to the Fall League, didn't walk anyone, somehow only gave up, what, three home runs while pitching 40% of the year in the PCL. Um, what's the challenge when you have such depth to be able to get a guy like Cody innings, but also get them while he progresses as he continues to check every box, Mike. Yeah, Cody's a uh, a great a great story from our scouting and development staff. He, he was uh, he was injured and missed most of his last year in college. Barely pitched coming back from an injury. Our guys had seen him earlier and and liked what they had seen, and and he he looked healthy to them. So we we uh, we picked him pretty late. It was like 37 um, or something. I can't remember what yeah. round off the top of my head, but it was not, it was a late round. And uh, he went out and threw well his first short season. He went out and threw well his first full season and his velocity ticked up a little bit. And then last year he went from <laughs> low nineties to upper nineties over the course of the season, just kept picking up velocity every, you know, every two weeks, he was up another mile per hour and uh, he had a, a great year. He's got good stuff, uh, moved, moved quickly from, like you said, from high A all the way to triple A in the fall league guy will be competing for an opportunity in the big leagues. I think everyone has seen over the last few years how we shuttle relievers up and down from Memphis. So having, it's not about, and we talk about this, you know, we'll talk about this all throughout March. It's not about who breaks camp with you necessarily, because you're going to have 26 guys break camp, but 30 or 35 guys are going to be important parts of the team because there's going to be injuries. There's going to be, and, you know, and, and the new rule, right? Right. Right. In the, terms uh, of the minimum batters. Yeah. So yeah, which, which could affect a couple new how rules. you guys shuttle guys and could be an advantage, at least geographically for you. And, and from a depth standpoint and guys with options, right? Yeah. So, so between we're up to 26 man roster. So we'll carry 13 pitchers basically all year. In the last couple of years, we've carried 13 a lot, but we've tried to stay at 12 when we were fresh and could afford to carry an extra bat. Um, the reliever rule um, having to face three batters will change how it, it'll change how Mike and Mad Dog use the pitchers. It, it'll change how we, frankly, I think it might have almost a big impact in how we pinch hit. Now, when you send a pinch hitter up there, you know he's going to face this pitcher. They can't they can't take this guy out. So it might change how pinch hitting works a little bit. And then we're also having some changes in how we uh, how we option and put players on the injured list, where pitchers will spend 15 days and position players only spend 10. So. There's there's a few different things changing, but at the end of the day, we know that we're going to have far more than five guys make starts for us this year, and we're going to have more than you know eight guys who who pitch out of the bullpen over the course of the year. And so, being in a position where you can name you know fifteen, sixteen, seventeen guys who you're excited about puts you in a good spot you know to get through the season. It's well said. Mike Gersh is with us, the Cardinals GM. We'll take a break and be back in a moment. It's Cardinals countdown to opening day, presented by Amarant. Chris Raby with you, back with Gersh after this on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the countdown to opening day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX. Welcome back in to Cardinals countdown to opening day, presented by Amarant. Chris Raby joined by Cardinals GM Mike Gersh in studio 
all this hour. We're going to talk a little more Jack Flaherty in a moment, plus get into the lineup with the Cardinals GM. It's your final week to book your spring training vacation to see the Redbirds at Roger Dean Stadium. Make your reservations at cardinals.com slash vacations or call 1-800-892-7687. I think about Jack Flaherty entering spring last year and uh, just kind of the story of his season. I was uh, very interested to look at how the Cy Young, how the MVP voting went, and to see that he got MVP votes, to see that three guys in your club got MVP votes, and then talk to some of the writers who who gave those votes. Uh, was it nice for you guys as an organization to see that, um, you know, accolades aren't everything, Jack, and, you know, your manager will be the first to tell you that, but that there was some recognition from a national level on, on what, Jack and, and your team did, especially in the second half. Mike, is that icing on the cake after a year like last year? Yeah, I think obviously it's always nice to see people in the organization rewarded and recognized for, for the work they've done. Um, I think Jack's a, a, a nice – his success in this past year was nice for the organization on, on several levels because we, we did we, – he was someone we had drafted. We took him as a high schooler. Uh, he was a two-way player in high school that first time he pitched full-time was with us. Our minor league staff, our minor league, you know, pitching group did a great job. He just, he didn't fly through the system. He wasn't in the big leagues in, you know, in six months where you sort of like player development just had to like not let him get hurt for a while and let, you know, move him on like Waka, you know, when he was, you know, nine months from the draft to his big league debut. This was a little bit more, there was, there was a lot of people who touched Jack, who helped Jack, who worked with him on various things and more to the point, Jack worked as hard as anyone possibly could. I mean, incredibly focused right from the time we drafted him on, on being the best he could be. And so seeing that all kind of come to fruition um, in the second half that he had, which was, I mean, basically historic. Yeah. um, It's exciting. And it puts us, you know, obviously puts you in a great spot coming into 2020 to know that, you know, not only do we have a lot of options in the rotation, but we have a legit number one guy at the top that that sort of sets everything up for us. Was there anything that surprised you about, I mean, we sat down at the All-Star break or even, you know, after that start in San Francisco, which may have been one of the best of the entire bunch. Um, you couldn't even draw those numbers up, like you said, historic. But looking back, does anything surprise you about what he was able to do, how he was able to do it, just the entire body of work as you evaluated this offseason? Certainly it's surprising when a guy puts up an ERA starting with a one over the course of, you know, 15 or 20 starts or whatever it was, the stretch he had. But I think, you know, Jack is a physically gifted guy and a mentally gifted guy who is very serious about his craft and very focused on what he's doing. I think if you had told us he was going to have a great second half, nobody would have been surprised. I think if you told us it was going to be, you know, Gibson-esque we would have been a little like a little unsure that that was really going to happen but um, again Jack puts himself in a position the four days before he starts as success as he can on the fifth day and so that all came to fruition in a great way for him. Mike Gersh is with us on Cardinals countdown to opening day as we talk with the Cardinals GM get ready for camp. You mentioned right at the top giving some opportunities to young players we'll get to those guys. Do you hear frustration from fans that the deficiency of of the club last year in the postseason fair to say lineup not scoring enough runs that it's collectively the same group minus a couple of pieces back and and how would you answer that question Mike yeah I mean clearly our offense was was something that that um, was was a challenge last year at times 
Um, I think, again, the, what we... And, and I will use the caveat that in the NLCS, you ran up against a historically good yeah. staff and team. That's Scherzer, a, Strasburg, that's, a, that's, that's pretty good. That's a small good. sample size. I, I, I won't isolate. The, I, I didn't mean to say postseason issues and isolate no, the postseason. No, I, I, I get, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think people who look at a four-game series and say, aha, you really need to fix your offense, you know, like, but that's, some of the, that's not fair. But some the, of the common frustrations. Yeah, over the course of the season, our offense was not as good as we had hoped. We're excited because of the players who had significant playing time last year, we feel like every one of them can and likely will be better this year. Goldschmidt was below what his expectations were. Carp was clearly well below. DeYoung was below. Bader was below. Dexter was below. Yadi. I mean, you, Colton had a great year, um, but I don't think there's any reason to think Colton can't repeat a year like that. A great so, second half. Yeah. yeah. And so we feel we feel comfortable and confident that this is a group of players who have shown that they are a good. They can be good offensive players who 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 had down years last year. Um, you know, we're not asking, we're not asking or expecting anyone to do something they haven't done as recently as 2018. Um, we just need a little bit. We need some bounce backs, and then we're also excited about some of the young guys that we have. Um, you know, Tommy Edmond offers us flexibility at like five or six positions, which means if there is someone who's struggling or if there's someone who's injured, almost anywhere on the diamond, we can get Tommy Edmond into that spot. Um, we've got guys again like the outfielders we talked about earlier. Lane Thomas, O'Neill, Justin Williams, you know, a, a group of outfielders, you know, Ravello's is, is a, will be playing some outfield for us. A group of guys who've all shown that they can succeed at AAA. We're not bringing up, just because you're young and a prospect doesn't mean you're ready for the big leagues, but these are all guys who've had successful AAA careers who are ready to get a shot in the big leagues. So um, I understand the concern or the frustration, but I do think we have the right mix of young guys and veterans to, to have the offense take a step forward, even returning the group that we have. I know in 2018, before he had a historic stretch, you guys, you know, it was written about, talked and communicated with Matt Carpenter. Listen, you're hitting the ball hard. You're running into some bad luck. Maybe some Ozuna dealt with last year, right? Right. And we saw the results. As you reflect and as you entered the offseason and have now worked through the offseason, look at Matt's year last year. Uh, what stands out? about some of the issues he had? Were there any consistencies? Were teams handling him differently in terms of where he was seeing pitches, some of the pitches he was swinging at, um, some of the pitches outside of the zone that we weren't used to seeing him swing at uh, when maybe he was in different counts previous years? Yeah, I think I, I think Matt did hit in, in, didn't hit in great luck this year. Um, nothing like he was doing the first two months of 2018 when, like, we had to go down and tell him like Just you're doing ropes you're guys. doing fine yeah. everything's going well except for the results look matt wants to be in a position to use the the whole field better and i think there's logic to that certainly um hitting into the shift repeatedly is not a great strategy but people have been shifting against matt for a couple years and in 2017 and 2018 he did absolutely fine against the shift so um i don't think all of a sudden the shift got to him I mean, he, he was he was hitting fine against it previous to that you know, I think there was some there, there was some swing and miss that that got Matt into counts that he normally wouldn't get himself into because he was missing pitches he should have hit. I think physically, and he, you know, physically he was he was not as strong as he felt like he wanted to be. Um, some of that is just his ability to keep weight on during the season, which is a problem I would love to have someday. Yeah. But um, you know, it's it's a challenge for him to stay physically strong throughout the year and he felt like last year he got into a spot where he just he wasn't as 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 um 
physically able to, you know, to hit as he, as he wanted to. So he's focused on that this offseason, focused on, you know, stronger core and legs and being in a better spot. We are very confident, and I, I think Matt's very confident that, he, that you know, he, it was a down year. It wasn't, it wasn't a change of his career trajectory. It was a down year and that he will bounce back. And, and, you know, he might not be, you know, what was he a top five or seven MVP guy in 2018. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I'm not saying that necessarily that's, you know, what everyone should be banking on, but, but last year is going to look like an aberration after 2020. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's perhaps encouraging and reasonable to expect that if guys at the top of the order get on base near what their large career sample on base rate is then things would have looked a lot different for you guys from a scoring perspective last year I mean you think about the NLDS specifically it's just a lot of solo home runs by Ozuna and Goldschmidt right like if yeah if you're getting career norm years from guys things could have looked a lot differently yeah no I think that's fair I do think that when when we put together a, a roster our job is is not to maximize uh, the offense or to maximize pitching or to maximize defense or to maximize base running. It's, it's to put it all together. You know, we had an exceptional defensive team in 2019. We had one of the best base running teams in baseball last year. You know, those are things that we want to build on and, and continue going forward. And so we don't, you know, we don't necessarily want to, um, you know, put such an emphasis on offense that we start, you know, putting, putting our pitchers in a position that they're going to, you know, be playing in front of a defense that, that that can't support them. So I think would we like to improve the offense? Absolutely. Would but but really we just need to be better. Better offensively, defensively, base running, pitching, everything. Just just be better. Be better strategically executing all those things. Yeah, hold that thought because I want to talk about your manager about another well-deserved accolade. We'll do that and more. Chris Raby and Mike Gersh with you this hour. It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. And we're back in a moment on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. It's a countdown to opening day show presented by Amron on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Secure your tickets to the highest demand games in 2020. Opening day Yankees and Cubs weekend games with the purchase of the Cardinals Flex Pack. For complete details, visit cardinals.com slash Flex Packs. Chris Raby with you, joined by Cardinals GM Mike Gersh on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. And, you know, we were just talking about Jack Flaherty, some well-deserved accolades, to see Mike Schilt win the Manager of the Year Award. And an award that generally drives me crazy because I feel like it's often, you know, a rubric that contains preseason expectations and then results. And then whichever guy, quote-unquote, overachieved in the eyes of the media the most, like Madden and 2015 when your manager won 100 games with a team that was severely injured. Another story. Um, uh, I think that that often dictates the voting. And to see, Mike, you can – there are – I mean, it's fact. The areas where this team has gone from bottom of the league to top of the league since the day he took over. Him and his staff, their imprint on this club has has resulted in in tangible change, especially when it comes to preventing runs and – creating opportunities in the base paths. Yeah, I think I think when Mike got the job, he 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 said that the two areas he's gonna focus on were defense and base running. And I mean we um, saw Jose, for instance, sit almost immediately. There were changes in the lineup when, when he took over based on defense. Yeah. And I think I think, you know, they're not they're you may, you maybe can't see it from the traditional stats, although from some of them you can. I mean I think we were third in the, in baseball and stolen bases and 
third or fourth in stolen base percentage. For maybe the most successful stolen, you know, base stealing team based on the combination of stealing bases and avoiding getting caught stealing. Um, but we also went first to third better than we have in years. We 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 took the extra base when it was available. We we you know. I don't know what our error, our number of errors was. To, to be honest, number of errors isn't a great measure yeah. of defense. It's one measure of defense, but it's not a great measure. I know our error rate went way down this year, but more importantly, our we we just made plays. We 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 were one of the top couple teams in baseball in terms of turning batted balls into outs, and that's that's the name of the game. Whether you call it an error or you call it a base hit, it's not an out, and you know we want to turn as many of them into outs as we can. So, um, Mike and Ali and Stubby and Pop and, and you know, Okendo when we're down in spring training, they, they all worked hard with all of our guys. I mean, I know Okendo's down there already working hard with uh, with half our middle infields already uh, in Jupiter for, for the getting ready for the season. So um, that focus and that um, tangible improvement, it was a huge part of our success this year. Yeah, and I thought, like, to see it up the middle, we know what kind of a defender Colton is, but to see Colton do what he did offensively and another guy who got an MVP vote. Um, I think it was Scott Miller who voted for him and said, cause I don't think the Cardinals do what they do in the second half without Colton Wong. And then to see Paul who played every day, 159 games, do what he did defensively. Even if you expect more offensively, that must've been encouraging to see Paul continue to take those steps at that position when playing every single day and going to the all-star game during the all-star break. Yeah, so he I, didn't have any days off. I think, I think, Defensively, Paul made a huge difference for 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 the for the whole infield. I think you saw Colton comfortable making plays and then just turning and throwing without looking, knowing that either I'll get the guy or Goldie will figure out a way to keep this from going bad. Right? There was like there was very like low risk to make which, a throw. Yeah, to which first Goldschmidt base. deserves a lot of credit for some of those numbers for everyone in the infield. Yeah, he, yeah. I think I think there was a a confidence that throws. You didn't have to make a perfect throw. Goldie could dig it. Goldie could keep his front of the bag. And if necessary, you know, Goldie could get to a ball that was offline and, you know, an infield single would stay just a single and it wasn't going in the left field corner or anything, right? So um, I think we basically returned the same infield other than Goldie and and made huge strides. And, you know, some of that is good work by, you know, Paul and Colton and, and Carp really had a good year at third base defensively. And Tommy Edmund filled in all over the place, but... Um, I do think Goldie gets a lot of credit for sort of calming things down on the infield. DeYoung literally had three days off. Do you know, this is just, a, I think, a funny apropos of nothing trivia fact. Do you know which three days those were? What would you like to guess? I know you, I, I, I don't. Wait, it's, well, because it just illustrates, I think, how much he played. The day after the All-Star break, yeah. There was a Chicago, I think, a day game, and then the day after the 19 inning game in Arizona. Yeah, the only three days he had off after that 19 it's inning unbelievable. game. Unbelievable. Yeah, after that 19 that game, we, we yeah we ran out a, a Memphis slash Springfield roster, and so did they. It was no, kind it of was a, an interesting a game. Mess, yeah. Scored a lot of run. yeah. Maybe that's why it was on uh, on YouTube or yeah. Facebook or wherever it was. Yeah, that's right. It was a non traditional viewing experience. That one. Uh, you know, before we wrap up, Mike, just for you personally, and away from the. X's and O's of spring training. Uh, what does Mike Gersh do to get ready? Do you have the packing thing down by now? Because at the end of every spring, I say, I need to write down what I didn't wear, what I don't need to bring next year, what I wasted space on, and then I bring the same stuff and have the same conversation with myself 12 months later. Yeah, I, I do not have a good system. <laughs> I, have a, uh, I have a box in my office that goes back and forth to spring training with, like, some books and stuff in it that I don't even unpack when I come. I don't know why. How have you guys I not think. developed an algorithm for this? I, I, uh, 
I have a knack for bringing like a whole bunch of sweaters because I'm convinced one spring it's going to be chilly and I'm going to need sweaters. And I've never, I don't think, ever worn a sweater uh, in, in to, to a spring training game. So maybe this will be the year that uh, the Mo-, Mo does. Yeah, well, that's different. <laughs> you don't pull that off. I kind of walked right into that one. Yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> wear a sweater quite like Mo does. Um, no, one of the things that. Uh, I spent about an hour and a half last night was uh, planning out my family's uh, trip down to spring training. Uh, I've got you know, my four kids and my wife all come down, but between volleyball matches and tournaments and they're all coming at different times and on different flights and going back not to St. Louis to somewhere else for a different volleyball tournament. So um, just getting all that stuff organized is, uh, is is a challenge. But You need like one of the spreadsheets that Schilt and the staff have at the start of every day for your family of where everyone's going to be and who needs to be picked up and when they're getting here yeah, and when yeah. they're leaving. I, I, I'm in charge of picking everyone up, so i got to make sure I figure this out before uh, mid-March when they show up or else uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in trouble. What's your favorite part of outside of the work and, and getting to see the club on the field, your favorite part of these next couple of months, Mike? You know, spring training is – it. It's such a like an enjoyable experience because everyone who comes down to spring training is like on vacation. They're all in a good mood. Like the team's undefeated. No matter what happens that day, we still feel like you know everything's going great. The uh, optimism is in the air. Uh, the weather in Jupiter is almost always perfect. It's a fun time of the year. It's exciting to get ready to go down there. Mike Gersh, thanks so much. Appreciate all the time. It's uh, a great to chat before we. Get down to Jupiter, and we'll see you in the sun in a couple of weeks. Yep, look forward to it. Back in a moment to ramp up Hour 1 of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. One on, nobody out. The 2-0 pitch. Here to swing a long fly ball in the left field. This is going to leave the park. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Ameren. That ball's hit deep to left. This one's going to be out of here. Get up, baby. Get up. Chris Raby and the Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amram on the Cardinals Radio Network. Welcome into Hour 2 of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Amarin. Chris Raby with you on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Very excited about our second hour of the show, and a big thanks to Mike Gersh for swinging by and hanging out in studio in Hour 1. In just a moment, we'll hear from Stubby Clap and Pop Warner. They're on the Cardinals cruise with Mike Claiborne and plenty of Cardinals fans. We'll also chat with Larry Walker, who's headed to the National Baseball Hall of Fame. He'll be inducted this summer, along with Derek Jeter, Ted Simmons, and Marvin Miller. All of that and more coming up in Hour 2. But let's head out to the high seas. Mike Claiborne on the Cardinals cruise with Stubby Clap. This is your second one, so obviously you enjoyed it so much, you're back. Yeah, it was a great, uh, great opportunity last year to be able to come out and uh, meet all the fans and everything like that. And uh, The events they put on were great, and the fans were great. It was a lot of fun uh, being able to do this, and we came back for a second one. You know, one of the things that I thought everybody noticed with the ball club last year was the base running, and I know you and the coaches really dedicated yourself to training and didn't really miss a beat as far as making sure you were repetitious in pounding that message in and it really paid off this is one of the best base running teams we've seen in a long time yeah you know what that was a, uh, a hard focus last year going into spring training and between uh, pop and, and myself and uh, ollie marmal we took it amongst ourselves to make sure that uh, we needed we we got the message across number one and then we did the work to be able to help these guys understand what to, what to get better at and how to get better at it and uh, uh, to the players credit they took the information and were able to run with it 
Let's talk about how last season went. You guys obviously got into postseason play. That was a first for a lot of people. Um, now that you have something to build on, because once you get a taste of it, it seems like you say, oh, man, we can go back. We can do this. What went through your mind? What were some of the things you want to try and implement for this year? Yeah, just uh, number one, continue to obviously be consistent on the defensive end. Of, you know, for our pitchers, um, you know, we did we made some some adjustments last year with the with our defensive uh, positioning and stuff like that, and being able to go through and and understand all that stuff and how we did it, why we did it, and making sure we were in communication with it. I want to be consistent with that, and then obviously get better at it. Um, I think you know we were lacking a little bit uh, on right-handed shifts. Uh, if you look at it numerically, and uh, we're going to go back and check on some of that stuff to see um, if if that's something that we can improve on to, to make our defense better, or if we could, you know, if we were in the right right spots at the right time and uh, and leave it as is. You know, I would imagine with all that sort of information, you go through a whole season and you have success. Do you step back and say, all right, we don't need as much of this as we need more of that? Yeah, definitely, and uh, we've already started that process uh, between talking with the analytic department, uh, going over the stuff we did last year, um, and then looking looking into this year to see how see how the game's going to change again. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's it's potentially you know the hitters might make more adjustments, so uh, we'll just have to keep our eyes open for that and make those make those adjustments as we're going on. Right, let's talk about the cruise a little bit. What's the most fun thing you've been able to do so far? Now this year, see most guys. They never bring their kids, but you, you're dad of the year now. You brought your kids this year. So what are some of the things you've been able to do, and what are some of the things you're looking forward to? Well, yeah, maybe dad of the year this year, but not not last year. Uh, you know, I missed my daughter's birthday in order to come on a cruise last year, and so there was no way we were coming on this cruise uh, without our kids this year. So um, we're making up for last year <laughs> in a big way. You know what? That way, she'll remember you when she gets married. She'll let you walk her down the aisle. Right, right. She won't be asking one of her brothers. I'll actually get the I'll actually get the nod. You know, it's it's funny because you decided to bring your kids as a coach. You just don't see a lot of your family, and if you don't have a good second half, better half in your wife, it's really hard. And, and your wife, I'm sure, has meant a lot to the growth of your kids and the development. So when you do go home, you do recognize them, and they certainly appreciate you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we spend so much time away from them for the for those nine months, and, and you got to have a, a strong wife, you know, um, to be able to do what we do. Uh, she's a rock of our family, and then um, just being able to bring them on them know that you know they're a part of this as much as anybody else um, I think that was important and for them to get to kind of see uh, what Cardinal Nation's all about I think my kids have been a little bit have been a little bit in awe of seeing the fans that are actually on the ship and um, seeing the the kind of notoriety that uh, you receive as you're walking around and not and to them it's odd people and to us it's just our fans right. it's just dad to me but everybody else thinks you're <laughs> hot stuff around here <laughs> yeah it's 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 so they they get to see see that and see what it's really like and and they they i think they start to draw a better picture of the type of work that we're doing and and the kind of uh, legacy that you leave behind uh, if you're a cardinal employee for you um Obviously, you're looking forward to spring training. Uh, what's the one thing you did the most of in the offseason other than maybe catch up on some sleep? <laughs> Work with my boys. <laughs> Work with my boys. Uh, you know, I try to help them with their baseball stuff. But uh, you know what? I, 
I did some hunting with my with my oldest son, and then got my got my younger son and my daughter into some fishing. Uh, I got to see my daughter catch her first fish, and got to see my uh, my youngest son Cannon. Got to see him do some things. So uh, it's been fun just catching up on that family time and stuff like that. And um, and then obviously you know you got the honeydew list. So there you got to make sure things are done right in the house. We've had painters in the house trying to get things uh, fixed up for her and uh, making sure all that stuff's ready. A good husband, a good coach, and a good man. He's Stubby Clapp. Uh, enjoy the rest of the cruise, and I guess we'll see you. Man, it, it'll be here before you know it. They'll be reporting, and here we go, another game. Yeah, see you February 10th. If not sooner. If not sooner. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you. Secure your tickets to highest demand games in 2020. Opening day, Yankees and Cubs weekend games with the purchase of the Cardinals Flex Pack. For complete details, visit cardinals.com slash flex packs. We'll take a break. Pop Warner with Claves on the cruise next. It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Emerin on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Emerin on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Welcome back, Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne with you on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. And we rejoin Mike Claiborne right now, who's back on the cruise with another member of the Cardinals staff. Ron Pop Warner, Cardinal third base coach, is with us. This is your first cruise. Yes, it is. Very happy to be here. Uh, kind of what I expected, but uh, I love it. It's nice. What's the most fun thing you've done so far? Uh, this morning, a little Q&A. And obviously the dinners, uh, we have a great table. <laughs> you're you're on, at our table and we have a hoot, man. It's it's. It's quite a good time, quite a blast. It's amazing how every night there's somebody's birthday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, Paul, Paul, Paulo's starting that little tradition, man. Happy birthday to somebody who's not even their birthday. Exactly. Yeah, we have a lot of fun with it. Hey, how much fun did you have this year? I mean, I don't know. I talked to Stubby about it earlier, about the base running, and you and him and the other coaches really worked at it. And as I've said to you on a couple of occasions, I appreciated how well you had a feel for the runners and the throwers in the outfield, and it worked for the Cardinals for sure. But how much fun did you have with it? Because you've done a lot of things in the organization. Yeah, I mean, to tell you the truth, I mean, my tell my, ask my wife, my one dream in this game was to be a third base coach in the big leagues. You know, managing was always in the back of my mind, but I always had the ambition to be a third base coach. So when I got the opportunity, I felt like I was right at home. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I had a great time because we were prepared. I mean, if you're prepared going in to the game, you just feel like, uh, you know, you can do your job without even having to think because you've already done the work. Who's the one guy who impressed you the most, A, with his work ethic, to want to be a better base runner, and really was able to be a good base runner? Because there's one thing to have speed, but it's another thing to know how to run the bases. Yeah, you know, I could go down the line, really, with all of them, but, uh, you know, Colton's one guy who kind of bought into it. Uh, you know, doing doing his homework and listening to us and what our advanced stuff was doing, um, and not just run to run, but have a good idea why he's going to run, when he's going to run, if there's a tell with the pitcher. So it was uh, he was impressive the way he grew. You mentioned there were so many guys that really bought into it and had a lot of fun with it. What are some of the keys now to being a good third base coach? Uh, because there aren't a lot of guys who throw as well as they used to. So what are some of the things you try and pick up on to give your team a better advantage? Well, obviously doing my homework on the outfield arms, um, the way they moved right, left. Usually there's like an, a deficiency with guys, whether it's their, their right or their left, they throw better from you know going one side to the other. And then just using my instincts, um, you know, knowing, knowing the score of the game and, and actually, you know, coaching the position 
by the scoreboard. The scoreboard is going to tell you all you need to know, whether you're going to push, whether you need to be a little bit more tentative, or, or whether it's time to uh, play it, you know, base by base. But uh, I learned that a long time ago from Mark Dijon. Just play the game according to the scoreboard, you'll be fine. Yeah, that's a great point you make. You don't have to overreact. The scoreboard will tell you all you need to know whether to push the envelope or wait for a better opportunity. You're 100% right. Talk a little bit about this year. I mean, you had a taste of it, postseason play. Uh, what a great finish that last week against Chicago and then beating Chicago on the last day of the season. It comes to an end against Washington. What did you take away from the season, and what do you want to be better at in 2020? Well, I took away from the season that we made the Final Four, which is a pretty good accomplishment. And, uh, you know, winning the Central was a pretty big feat for our club. And then uh, beating Atlanta was a pretty exciting series. But, you know, losing to Washington obviously was a little bit of a letdown because we felt like we had the team to go all the way. But obviously we know now that they had the best team in baseball this year or last year. So uh, I just took away from it is, you know, a learning experience and, um, you know, Getting to know the players was big for me and gaining their trust. And, you know, the camaraderie we have with our coaching staff was big and everybody, uh, a lot of continuity. And uh, just look forward to the future. Game five, you had to ice your, your shoulder down after waving all those guys around the first inning. Have you ever been part of something like that in, in 30 years in being pro ball? Um, maybe eight or nine, but ten <laughs> like that. No, especially in the big leagues my first year doing something like that and the importance, the importance of that game. Um, the magnitude of it and scored 10 runs in the first inning was I've obviously never seen that before and never been a part of it but uh, that was a good start to get us uh, through that series. Pop it's always good to have you on board enjoy yourself while you're on the Cardinal cruise and by the way happy birthday. <laughs> Thanks Clabs. <laughs> well speaking of traveling with the Cardinals it's your final week to book your spring training vacation to Roger Dean Stadium make your reservations at cardinals.com slash vacations or call 1-800-892-7687 a quick break when we come back Larry Walker he's headed to the National Baseball Hall of Fame he joins us next it's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Emerin on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network now back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX Welcome back into Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne with you. And we head to Jupiter right now where Claibs is standing by with a newly elected member of the National Baseball Hall of Fame. Chance to visit with the new member of the Baseball Hall of Fame, one of two, Derek Jeter and Larry Walker. And, you know, we've talked about this a number of times along with our friends about you being in. And you were a little pessimistic the day that you got the call. Yeah, it was... Uh really just an honest feeling I had you know I I was crunching some numbers uh, for lack of better words and and I thought I was going to be a, a little short and uh, you know some of the projections were that way too there were a couple in my favor but uh, I thought more against and and I was good at it. like I, my honest feeling was I was going to come short so I was prepared for that and if it went the other way I would be shocked so I was shocked shocked is an understatement because I had a chance to watch the video when you got the call and just the emotion that you showed, not, not just for you, but your family and friends. Yeah, um, they went cuckoo and I kind of went numb. So uh, they, they were able to kick and scream and uh, I had to try to hear Jack on the other end. And, and like I say, the, the, when I looked at it too, I watched it over and I, sh I saw the shock as well. But I 
didn't know what to say. I couldn't react. Uh, the phone rang and all the breath came out of me and uh, just it was out of body, out of body experience. Actually, one of the few times you were actually speechless. Yeah, I was. I could have been for the whole time. <laughs> hey, for you. You didn't grow up playing baseball. You were a guy that had other options as far as hockey coming from Canada. What turned you around and got you involved in baseball? Because you had to learn at a later age compared to a lot of guys you played with. Yeah, I think uh, in, in 1984, I tried out for Team Canada in the World Youth Tournament, 16 to 18-year-olds against uh, many countries, and I made that team. So I, I think that's probably the start of it all. If I don't make that team, I'd probably go back to work at the bowling alley. Hey, by the way, how is the game? How's the what? Your game. Oh, I, you know what? I, I five-pin bowled back home because that's what we have yeah. up there. Um, and then ten-pin bowling I took up down here. I did it for for four years, I think. And then just the, the strain it was putting on my elbow from all the years of ball and the surgeries. and everything, just I had to put the ball away and don't do it no more. Oh, that's tough because I know you really took a real passion to it when I saw you down here a few years ago. Who, who inspired you as a baseball player? Because there weren't a lot of Canadians playing. I know you mentioned Ferguson Jenkins, but he was a pitcher. But who were some of the other guys that really you looked up to? Well, I think if, there's probably two things. The, the one would be any of the Seattle Mariners teams because every now and then we'd be able to drive down to the kingdom and, and uh, watch a, a couple games. I don't, I don't necessarily say I had a favorite ball player with the, the Mariners, but it was just fun to go down there every now and catch – catch uh, BP home run balls out in left field. But uh, once I started to watch the game a little bit more, Mike Smith was a guy that seems to always stick out in my head that I enjoyed watching. You know, a lot of people look at you as a five-tool player because you did everything extremely well. I think the Hall of Fame indicates that. What was the one thing that you really worked harder at than maybe some of the other elements? Well, uh, that's a common question, and, and honestly, it was all five of them. You know, I, I, I wasn't a power hitter. I didn't hit for average. Uh, the only thing I had was some speed, but I didn't know how to steal bases. So uh, a lot but of. But you were a good base runner, and there's a big difference. Well, that's I figured all that out. You know, I, I, I listen. I watched and learned. Tommy Harper was one guy that really worked hard with me in base running in the early years, and but I, I watched and learned, and and all the instructional leagues I did down in Florida and and winter ball and everything, it was practice, repetition, over and over and over until you finally, you know, you have, this is how you do it correctly, and you don't sway from that. When you got to the big leagues and when you became a professional player, who was somebody who took care of you and really showed you the way? Because everybody in this game has had somebody who thought enough to come up to them and say, hey, kid, let me show you this or let me show you how to do that. Who was the person for you? Well, I, fortunately, in, uh, when I got called up in 89, it was a pretty cool group of guys up there. And, um, I, I, you know, the, the ringleader of it for me was Tim Wallach. That uh, was just a joy to be around. Um, made me feel comfortable, but you know there was lots of lots of band members that were part of that uh, that team. You know, from Mike Fitzgerald to Tom Foley, Spike Owen, and just so you had a bunch of pros on that ball club. Absolutely, just good guys that you know welcomed me into their card game too. So after the end of the game, we'd be in one of their rooms playing cards. Uh, you know, till we finally all got tired, and and uh, it was just a great time. Yeah, when you a young guy like that, they let you win early. Did they ch take care of you later? Well, if I was losing, I remember one time we were in Wallach's room and I went to the bathroom and for some reason I just felt that this comfortable with those guys in my rookie year that uh, I exchanged uh, Tim's, uh, he uses the, the shampoo and stuff in the, in the hotel and I, I emptied his shampoo, shampoo bottle and I put hand conditioner in it so the next day when he showered, he would get a little treat. <laughs> now that sounds like a hockey player there. <laughs> you were known to be a practical joker. What was the best one you pulled? 
Well, I'm going to say probably some of the best ones aren't going to be told into this <laughs> microphone, so we'll just stick with that one I just told you. <laughs> Your time in St. Louis was a short one, but a very eventful one for you. You had a chance to get to a World Series. And I always remember the relationship you and Reggie Sanders had. You guys rode the ballpark together, and I've talked to him about it as well. And he considered you as good of a teammate he's ever been part of. And it was unfortunate you guys didn't play longer. What, what, what are your thoughts about him at this point and how you look back at that time in St. Louis? Yeah, no, it was great. You know, we, uh, we, we would ride together to the park, like you said, in his Hummer, and he'd be jamming some music that I don't normally listen to. So I, you know, all of a sudden I found myself listening to Mariah Carey and stuff and some other songs. Uh, but, you know, I think everybody knows Reg. He's uh, a huge heart, loving guy. And uh, like I say, we share the same birthday too, so that even puts icing uh, on the cake there. For you, uh, have you started to think about the speech? Because, you know, this thing is going to roll up on you pretty quick because everybody's going to talk to you. Have you had a chance to talk to some other Hall of Famers about how that experience is going to be in preparing yourself? Well, you know, the Hall's worked with me up there talking to me and kind of filled me in on how it's going to work. So I'm going to, I'm going to gradually start writing things down here and there and, uh, and deal with that. I, I'm not good at that, that doing that stuff. I'm, I really am. Uh, um, I, I got to deal with... April 19th in Colorado with the retirement of my, of my jersey there. First, I got to speak in front of the stadium full of people there. So that one's on my mind as well. And uh, with the combination of them two, of the two of them, <laughs> I trust me, I can't sleep. You know, I think we're playing you guys that week. So you'll have the two teams you play for there. And uh, as you well know, you're part of the Cardinal family. And that's been fun for you because they've been able to reach out and get you involved. You know, it's a, a pretty amazing organization. You know, I, I came over here, you, you know the birds on the bat, you know the park's full of red every night, but until you put that home uniform on, you don't realize just how incredible, incredible it is. And, and like I say, I feel like I played here 10 years, not a year and a few months. Uh, the, 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 they're just great, great people from the top to the bottom. Well, it was an enjoyable time to watch you play. More importantly, it's a real honor and treat to see you go in the Hall of Fame. I know a lot of us here in St. Louis have always thought you were one. Now the rest of the world knows you are. Well, I'm glad you guys all feel that way because I sure don't. So <laughs> one day it'll sink in maybe. It will. And when it hits you, believe me, it'll be something overwhelming. I can guarantee you that. I bet. I can't wait for that day. Thank you, Larry. You bet. Smith corks one into right down the line. It may go. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. It's a home run. And the Cardinals have won the game by the score of three to two. Great memories, you know. It um, those are some some good times here for for all of us, you know. And to have the opportunity to play for the greatest manager and some of the greatest players, uh, it was fun. Um, may have been a little. Tommy and I were talking. Might have been a little top loaded with '82, but um, but it was fun. It brought back a lot of great memories. Yeah, my impression was, you know, it, it made me laugh a lot because, you know, you, you see these guys like Joaquin and, uh, you know, you just think of all the stupid stuff they did uh, over the years and you laugh about it. And uh, it, it, it brings it all back. It's, it's amazing what you remember. Uh, you know, you'll see, you'll see one thing or one play and it kind of sparks a lot of other memories that, uh, that, that come back. And uh, it's all special, you know. It, it, all, all three of those uh, years were so special, and uh, you know, like I said on the stage too. Uh, you know, it, back in back in that time, you had to win your division uh, to get in, and you know, we, we had such a rivalry with the Mets. I mean, as intense as anything you can imagine, 
just to just to get into the playoffs, and uh, you know that that was a huge achievement for our teams because you know we everyone always picked the Mets every year to win because you, you know they were uh, they were loaded as well, and of course they did you know they did win in '86, but uh, yeah they were special years and and tonight just brought it all back. All the different eras, like you, know, you can't you can't compare one to the other. It's hard to you just kind of go like Tom said. We had so much fun during those times, and, and we had such a good relationship in the clubhouse. There was, I can honestly say, there wasn't anybody in the clubhouse I didn't like. You know, and, th and that's a pretty good, that's a pretty amazing thing when you're talking about the number of guys that go through the clubhouse, even just of course of one year. Swing and a high fly ball into right, curving foul into the corner. That ball may go. It's up against the wall, and now there's Coleman streaking for second, going for third. They're bringing him home. The throw home, and he is safe. And inside the park, home run. His first home run in the big leagues. You know, for me, I had a front row seat. You know, when, when Vince Coleman, a lot of times would come up, I would swung the bat, and he'd stand on third base. <laughs> How easy is this? You know, so... Yeah, I mean, that was just great. And, and as I said out there, it was fun coming to the ballpark every day because we knew we had a chance to win. And we didn't necessarily have to hit the ball out of the ballpark. We knew we had a chance to win. Yeah, how many teams you think that they say, don't walk Coleman? <laughs> and they're yeah. walking first time up right. half the time. Yeah. There he is standing on third base, and you're driving in the middle of the ground ball to second base, or Tommy's driving in the middle of the ground ball to second base. And then, and then with John, you know, in, in, in 85 there, you know, it was just amazing at how he was able to come back from a 1-7 record. And I think that he, he, he realized, I don't know what he did, I, I think you're a high school catcher or somebody called him or something, that one small thing changed, and all of a sudden, man, he was, he was like a machine. Every day, we knew that as defensive players, we were going to get a chance to play behind him. And he gave us that opportunity, man. It was just, it was just fun coming to the ballpark. Swing and a high fly ball to left. Way back at the track. This ball may go. It's a three-run home run for Tom Lawless. That is hard to imagine. He had four hits all year. And he puts the Cardinals on top four to one. You know, my, my only regret watching it was that, you know, I, I think, and it might have been mentioned tonight, if, if we would have won all three of those World Series, I, I think I think those, uh, those teams would have really uh, been looked upon differently as, as one of the greatest, uh, you know, teams in, in the history of the game. And, and it, when you look at how we lost, it makes it even more frustrating. You know, with, you know an umpire's call, you know, could that have kept us from winning in 85 and then in 87 the misfortune of having four games in, in uh, Minnesota where nobody could beat him up there and, uh, and also being you know, having Jack injured and Terry Pendleton injured and, uh, so that you know it, it, it brings back great memories but it also uh, you know you think about what what might have been how could it have even been greater really Clark a chance to redeem himself after striking out on the seventh the Dodger right-hander is set, and here's his pitch to Jack Clark. Swing and a long one into left field. Adios, goodbye, and maybe that's a winner. A three-run homer by Clark.
and the Cardinals lead by the score of seven to five, and they may go to the World Series on that one, folks. We still had a chance to win if we if we make if we make one or two plays. I think that was a foul ball that if we yeah. catch that, we got. But you got to remember chance. about the foul ball. If he'd have been called out, Jack would have been playing back, back. and he'd have caught that ball. Yeah. If he was playing in, holding the runner on. I'm not making excuses. I mean, their starting pitch didn't uh, shut us down completely. We only scored 14 runs in six games, and then we only scored 14 runs in seven games. So we didn't really tear the cover off the ball. We didn't have Coleman, who in 85 was really our leader. Tremendous year. Uh, not only that, driving in runs from second. And that was probably his best year with the bat, as far as I was concerned, because he did drive important runs. Uh, but, you know, I, the, I don't know if Porter hadn't gone up the line. Any events like when that play at home, she made it two to one. When you look at the replay, if Porter would have stayed back at the plate, the guy might have been out. That was a pretty good throw. Huh? That was one yeah, of the great, greatest throws I've ever seen where he what came up the ground ball and threw a bullet at one hop of the corner. But, you know, we didn't score. And uh, he kept our uh, every our leading hitter in the 87, 85 World Series was Tito, the 270 average. And, uh, we, you know, it just wasn't right. Yeah, if only instant replay was around, who knows what might have been. We'll take a break and come back. Going to tell you about how your group can get involved in some fundraising efforts at Bush Stadium. Cardinals countdown to opening day presented by Amarant. Back in a moment on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the countdown to opening day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX. Now's the time to pick up the essential item for every Redbird fan. The official 2020 Cardinals calendar featuring the signature artwork of team photographers, the club's spring training and regular season schedules, and four pages if you haven't of found your return. coupons. Pick up your copy at St. Louis area retailers or call 314-345-9000. We'll also give one away right now as we wrap up the show to caller 3 at 314-531-1120. Welcome back into Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. Chris Raby with you on the St. Louis Cardinals radio network, and it's great to have... Kara Gandhi, join us on the program, the nonprofit coordinator at Delaware North. We're going to talk about fundraising and fundraising with sports service at Bush Stadium. Kara, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Uh, doing well. Thank you for having me today, Chris. You know, it's such an exciting time of the year as we get ready for baseball, we get ready for spring training, and then the regular season, 81 games plus hopefully more at Bush Stadium. And I know you guys uh, at Delaware North are so excited to, again, tell folks about some opportunities to get involved in the fundraising program this year. Oh, that is correct. We actually revamped the program. You know, our base donation this year is 11%, but it goes all the way up to 13%. Um, you know, up to 12% on all nights and uh, weekend games, up to 13% on all weekday games between 12 and 3 p.m. You know, all that requires is a 501c3 and a group of individuals that want to work together for the same cause. So give us an example of some of the organizations that you guys have take advantage of the fundraising program, Sports Service at Bush. Oh, we have plenty of them. We have, you know, collegiate sports. We have churches. We have youth sports, uh, Knights of Columbus, American Legion, uh, high school bands, PTAs. Uh, gymnastics groups, pet shelters, adult sports leagues, um, 
I'm maybe forgetting a few off the top of my head, but we have a many, many groups here. Kier Gandhi is with us talking about fundraising uh, sports service at Bush. You can call 345-9150 or, very simple, sportservicebush.com. All right, we'll get into some of the specifics in a moment, Care. but if there is a 501c3 organization that hasn't been through this before, they might think, we don't have enough people, we don't know how to do this, um, we don't have anyone with experience uh, in this area. What would you tell folks that maybe have reservations uh, about getting involved in the fundraising program because they just haven't been through it before? The one thing that I can always tell you is we will always take any fundraisers that has a 501c3. Um, usually our stands take about five to 20 people, but we make it work with less or even more than 20 people at any given time. But the incentive program really kicks in at 12 people and we try to do that because it takes about a minimum of 12 people to run a stand. Um, and we provide everything, all the food, all the beverages and everything. All you have to do is bring a good group of people that wanna come in and fundraise for their cause. Um, we also provide you the first couple of times, you know, I know it's a little harem scarum and you're scared to get in there, but we provide you with a stand manager that's going to guide you through, you know, the first couple of nights and the process of how we do things with opening the stand, closing the stand, and the money and all that good stuff. So, you know, you don't really have to worry. We we have a system set in place that's going to benefit you and help you go through the night. Yeah, because I'm sure that it can be a little intimidating, but you guys provide everything in all of these organizations. Uh, anyone listening to us right now, they've got manpower and, and they've got folks that are used to volunteering their time, used to working for their cause. So that's all you got to do. And then you guys will help them every step of the way. Yes, that's correct. We will take care of every other detail that we possibly, possibly can. And, you know, sometimes I even like to get involved and help the groups and get in there, cook a hot dog or two if they need. It's like a celebrity appearance if you pop in there. I'd like to believe that, but probably not. It's 345-9150 or sportsservicebush.com to learn more about the fundraising program uh, with Delaware North and Sports Service at Bush. So tell us a little bit more about uh, what a tip for these groups as they choose to fundraise and, and try to raise some great funds for their organizations. What can they expect uh, from the time they get to Bush Stadium through the end of the program, Care? Yeah, so a typical day usually starts out, you get here about an hour, hour and a half prior to gates, uh, which allows you to set up everything you need for the day with the assistance of your stand manager, along with our supervisors that will help you in any way possible. Um, then you have to assume, you know, you're here for three hours of the or three hours for the game. Uh, usually after the game, it takes about hour, hour and a half to get everything done and get out of the stadium. Uh, usually we help you with that process too. Uh, you just bring everything down to our 405 gates, and uh, our supervisors are more than willing to walk you through the process. Care Gandhi is with us again talking about the Sports Service Fundraising Program at Bush. You can call 345-9150 or visit sportservicebush.com. You mentioned, uh, Care, that the stands require anywhere from 5 to 20 people, but the incentive program really kicks in at a dozen people. Tell us a little bit about the incentive program and also some of the great benefits, some of the excitement that surrounds this fundraising program. Yeah, so the we went in this year thinking, hey, you know what, we need to incentivize them to make sure that they bring enough people to be able to manage their own stand. And one of the things we did was how do we incentivize them? So, hey, we're going to give you a little more money. One of the things we decided was you get 10% or $10 uh, per every head after 12 people. So if you bring them in of 12 people, you get $10 per person, which could bring your donation an additional $120. Um, and that can go up to, you know, you bring 20 people, that's $200. 
So that's one of the things we've done. We also have a referral program, which if you refer another group to come in, they fundraise. So if they come in for five games, we donate $100 to your organization. They don't fundraise for 10 games, we donate another $250. Um, another great thing we've actually implemented is the retail discount. Uh, this year, you'll be, actually, you'll be able to go to our retail store with a valid volunteer slash fundraiser ID and show it to them and get 20% off at the retail store. Um, we've also included our groups in the giveaways this year um, with uh, Delaware North teams up with the Cardinals, and we do our own version of a giveaway about five to six a year. And if you work that day, you'll also receive that giveaway. So, you know, we, we wanted to make this as lucrative as possible for our new groups and our old groups, and we want to show them that we appreciate all their hard work and effort. How about that? Maybe pick a great giveaway date, bring a huge group, and then you can use the giveaways for your organization as well. Double dip. There you go. Perfect. Excited to hear from everybody. 345-9150 or sportservicebush.com. Again, uh, even if this is not something that your organization has been a part of before, uh, find out more because, as Kara said, they are uh, willing to provide just about everything and make sure it's a great experience for your group. Kara Gandhi, the nonprofit coordinator at Delaware North, we appreciate it. We'll see you at the ballpark. All right. Thank you, Chris. We also hope to see everyone. Cardinals Care RBI Golf Classic. Join manager Mike Schilt as he hosts the Cardinals Care RBI Golf Classic Thursday, May 7th at Norwood Hills Country Club. This unique experience will pair foursomes with a Cardinals celebrity, including current players, coaches, and alumni. Register today at cardinals.com slash golf. That's going to do it for us. A big thanks to Cardinals GM Mike Gersh for joining us in studio. Thanks to Mike Claiborne, who was with Stubby Clap, Pop Warner, and Larry Walker. Thanks also to Care Ben Boyd, our executive producer, Mike Anderson, here in our network studios, and Ann Carroll from the Cardinals Radio Network. I'm Chris Raby. This has been Cardinals Countdown Opening Day, presented by Ameren of the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network.